welcome to the latest episode of the Proof of Delivery cast, talking about all things supply chain and technology to help visionaries like you gain unprecedented insight, foresight, and oversight into your operations and the industry as a whole. We're talking with the who's who of supply chain from around the world about the latest trends, technologies, and tips to help illuminate the hidden potential in every link of your supply chain. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Allen and Caitlin Mercier. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We're here with the uh, the team from Open ESG. We are uh, talking to some world travelers here today, uh, you know, typically based in the UK, but uh, traveling, I think, today in Singapore. So want to introduce you to uh, to to T and David and uh, I'm gonna first of all before I uh, sort of m- m- you know muddle up the intro I'm gonna let them tell us a little bit about uh, openASG and 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 what they're trying to accomplish and then we'll we'll jump into some questions after that so yeah thanks uh, T and David for joining us and uh, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, what you're what you're doing and what your mission is David do you want to go first happy to go after you Sure. I mean, OpenESG is on a, a mission to really bring uh, ESG uh, to to the masses, if I can put it that way. Um, we see ESG metrics as an amazing potential tool that can help businesses really understand what's happening uh, inside their business, inside their supply chain, look at ways to improve what they're doing to get efficiencies, to create new business opportunities, but frankly, it's it's an underutilized um, tool because right now it's really hard to understand what these metrics mean. It's really uh, costly and time consuming to get a score, um, and and so most companies just say, I, I'll, "I'll put that off." You know, sustainability is something that I can think about when I'm a bit bigger or when I when I when I when the compliance when the regulation comes along, then I'll pay attention to it. But we're living in a sustainability era where consumers and governments care more and more about this. So consumers are demanding from the companies that they invest in, that they do business with, that they buy from. They they want to know where their products come from. They want to know if the company's ethical. Um, and, and, and they've shown with their consumer behavior that they're not willing to tolerate, uh, you know, companies who are bad actors and, and damaging society and the planet. Um, and governments are waking up and saying, yeah, this is this important. We need to we need to regulate and, and, and control this. So we see it as sort of an inevitable trend that's coming. And today, only about 60,000 companies have an ESG score. And our goal is to is to really bring it to scale and to have every company in the world, even small, you know, mom and pop pop shops or startups or small medium enterprises, really be able to to think about uh, the most important uh, sustainability metrics and and build them into their business models and business thinking, um, because that's going to help them perform better. It's going to help them sell better and it's going to prepare them better for the future. Yeah, that's amazing. T, T, did you want to add to that or? Yeah, and really linking back to Ratik and all the listeners on the show, uh, we're so grateful, by the way, Mike and the Ratik family and everyone in the supply chain industry. So uh, what we're doing at OpenESG is really a a score so that, let's say Ratik, uh, Ratik has customers, some of the largest retailers in Canada, and if not North America, and North American supermarkets can say to their suppliers or the brands supplying to them, can you get an open ESG score? It's up to you. It's for free, by the way, to get a mm-hmm. score. You download open ESG uh, as the brand owner for the as a supplier to that retail chain. 
and you can fill out a form. Once you fill out the form, you get a score and the algorithm will create a score for you. And in your category, you'll be given a score and in your industry, in uh, your location. And you have two options. If you're doing really, really well, you, you, you want to tell the world. So you have an A or a B and you want to tell everyone you're doing brilliantly. So you put that widget on your website and you put it on every other e-commerce site you're listed on. And the other option, if you're not uh, really doing well, uh, we want to be uh, in the business of improvements. And so we are looking at a strategy to help businesses uh, really improve. So if you're a manufacturer of home goods and you're supplying a supermarket, you can get um, recommended how you improve in your category, in the home category. IKEA is the top rated home manufacturer uh, in the world. And you can get nudged. Uh, in economics, we have a term called nudging, where when nudging businesses to go in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And when you're ready, when you're ready to flex those, you know, ESG, sustainability muscles, you can then tell the world. And that's really as simple as it is for our, uh, for our customers. You have the choice to get a score for free, or you can improve with us. That's amazing. Yeah. And it sounds like you're, you know, you're working towards leveling the playing field and, and having everybody kind of working off the same scorecard system. Because I know, I mean, from, you know, a lot of the customers we talk to and, and a lot of the, the reading that we're seeing is, you know, there's an ability to kind of game the system if you're reporting on your own. And, there, you know, there's there's no way to sort of um, reconcile one company's, uh, you know, internally reported statistics with another. So it sounds like, you um, you know, you're trying to create a bit of a of a benchmark across the 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 field, and then you mentioned also specifically within industries and looking at your competitors as well. Um, like how what kinds of of data sources are you are are you looking at, and and how are you um, you know what what how are, how are you basically planning to to sort of do this as far as um, you know, making it a a um, you know similar to like a credit score, right, where everybody is on the same system, and there's no, not a really good way to game that. It's it's fairly ubiquitous as far as how it works. Mostly. Well, um, just to give you, Mike, you, you and I have, and our teams have worked together for four years, if not longer, mm -hmm. been in the data space for almost, almost 10 years. Goodness me, it's gone. <laughs> and um, so what we do is aggregate uh, what we call third party data, a lot of publicly available information on both company and product. And then you put together second party data company and product data surrounding that company. And then the first party data is when you fill out a form, the score, and it's the com information you provide. That's first party data. And you are, as a business owner, that's your data. And we're very much, uh, this is sensitive commercial data that is yours. Mm -hmm. And really it's your choice. If you think your score is going to help you communicate your story to your customers, the Gen Z of the world who are trying to, they're really very passionate about the, the really making sure uh, the brands they buy from share their values. So the goal for us is to help business owners to communicate to their customers what they're doing. And yeah. that's really the score. And then if they need to improve, 
uh, really take them down the direction. And that's a lot of publicly available information we're, uh, we're aggregating together with a second party data to help them improve in their category. And so what we like to do is make uh, business owners understand that we're here to help them so that they can sell to their customers. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the bottom line, but actually we, if, we're, if we all align to make sure we sell to our customers better and improve the state of affairs of how we do business today, we all progress as a society. Yeah, I love that idea as, you know, equating the, you know, the, the, the monetary side to the more altruistic side. And, you know, that's, I think that's how you move the needle, right? Is, is it's hard to, you know, people care, companies are a little more impersonal and, and you've got to, you know, show them how both sides can, uh, can be equalized. So what, what do you think are, are some of the biggest, you know, challenges and, 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 you know, you're obviously positioning, uh, you know, your, yourselves and, and the open ESG team to, to solve them. What do you, what do you think is, is, has been getting in the way and, and, and what's the plan to sort of, um, you know, get around those challenges as far as, uh, you know, the industry goes. So I think traditionally, uh, it's been, it's been hard for people, both consumers and companies to understand why they need to pay attention to, to ESG. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those funny acronyms. People think they know what it means, but, but, but not really. So, you know, what we have is, this was a tool that was designed for the financial services industry to better understand the risk of a company. You know, so what is the risk of climate change, uh, you know, to a company's profitability? How is this company managing risk internally? So it's a very financially services driven um, uh, and investor driven tool. But in the minds of consumers, they think, you know, this means as it's starting to come mainstream, they think, oh, well, this must be a good company, you know, green company, um, you know, and, and, and all this governments are saying, well, hang on a second, this is greenwashing, there's false claims, mm -hmm. we've got to regulate this. So you've got, you know, quite a lot of confusion around it, uh, even, even though it's becoming more and more mainstream. Um, and so, you know, one of the big changes that, that we're working on is, is to bring transparency and oxygen and visibility to this space so that people can focus on the actions of companies, not necessarily the policies or the words. They can really see what companies are doing. So it's a, it's a very simple score that is easily understood by by business is easily understood by consumers um and and we think that's the first step in in credibility because today people don't understand why this company you know has a very high esg but their their primary business is fossil fuels or mm -hmm. you know creating weapons or it might be so people are kind of scratching their head um so transparency and that's really needed in the industry and something that we're bringing um but you know to give ability to to our score why should why should people you know understand our standard or use our standard um, we've created um, an expert council of members from around the world experts from government business NGOs uh, who are really the guardians of of the score the score is is truly independent um you know at scale even even we won't be in charge of it it will be the expert council and and what we're doing is making it really um, global and really diverse in its composition, because what we see is there isn't really one ESG standard for the world. There's lots of people who've been or companies who've been trying to set the standard, but what they bump up against is 
is that that ESG is also a pretty Western uh, construct. And when you you know apply it in China or in Saudi Arabia or in Nigeria or or so on, you you start to 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 up against um, different cultures, different definitions of diversity, different understanding of sustainability, uh, different priorities in terms of you know what what companies need to do to meet the basic needs of people and 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 so on. And so we really believe that that um, we can create a, a score that has a core everybody understands, but that has flexibility in different markets. So that a, a company from you know from uh, Norway is marking themselves, uh, they're benchmarking against similar uh, companies with similar standards. Um, and the same for, let's say, uh, you know, a company in, in Saudi Arabia, that they're, they're not benchmarking themselves against, uh, you know, a Norwegian company, because in, in a place like Saudi Arabia, um, you know, maybe some of the diversity targets um, are, are, are more modest, but those are really significant accomplishments and great progress for a company in that region. Um, but they won't, you know, necessarily come at the same as a Canadian company or, or an American right. company would do. So um, we think that's going to help a lot in terms of the adoption and the understanding that people can really, consumers can really understand and interact with this score in a way that makes sense for them. Yeah, I, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. Is you know, we always we often talk about like the the why and the how instead of the what, you know, getting people to understand the what doesn't really move the needle. They need to understand the the why and the how. And, uh, you know, we will get clients going, you know, well, we've improved this by 17%. And they're like, is, is that, is that good? <laughs> like, you, tell me that it's good. Cause I'm, I have no way to sort of benchmark this. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense to, you know, create some standards and create that openness and transparency and then let people benchmark and also, um, you know, I think the mark of a good scoring system myself is, you know, go, go back to credit scores because everybody knows what a credit score is. It's like, it's not, you know, is my score a 300 or a, or a 900? I don't know how low they go, but I, <laughs> whatever the lowest is and whatever the highest is, it's, it's, it's you know, where is it trending and what can I do to improve it, right? If, if it's not telling me something actionable, it's not all that useful. So, you know, you, you know, you look at a credit score, it's a, it's a moment in time, it's a measure, but it's the report underneath. It sounds like what you're going to be able to do is provide that level of, of granularity in terms of the makeup of their score and their, the deficiencies. And you mentioned, you know, even helping them solve some of those. I think that that to me, that sounds really compelling because it's not enough for me to know if I'm high or I'm low. It's how do I, how do I get higher, right? Where, where do I need to be and how do I do it? It sounds like you're going to, you're going to work on that with them as well. Exactly. And that's where we're developing like an AI recommendation engine that can really help them and say, you know, here's where your score is. People have had a better score. It's because they've, they've sourced more renewable energy um, or it's, you know, they've offset their carbon or they have more women on their board. Um, and so that can then can, can give insights um, from the trends and and from the high performers that can then help uh, people build out their roadmap for for how they they get to a better score. Yeah, that's a great. But so you're you're really trying to balance the E, the S, and the G, I guess, as well. So you know, a company I assume could score high on the, you know, environmental side and really low on the social or the governance. So it it it's a it's a sort of about creating that balance, I guess, right? So one of the one of the things that the uh, so the the people most interested in this engagement uh, information, the consumer engagement with this sort of data are the asset management world. So by 2025, there are about 
$50 trillion uh, under management by some of the largest asset managers managing the ESG funds. And that is a lot of capital going into impact and sustainability and ESG. Uh, these asset managers have uh, what are called limited partners behind them saying, look, I wanna make sure that I'm actually investing in companies that are actually uh, doing what they say they are. Mm -hmm. That's number number two. Uh, we have banks asking us and saying to us, we want to lend to companies. And we've seen Bank of America CEO come out and say, look, we want to start working only with the top rated businesses on this planet. And we're not just talking about publicly trading companies. We're talking about every business that we lend to. So that's number two, a major trend in the banking industry from the lender's perspective. Number three, insurance. So insurance is an incredibly interesting category because suddenly uh, if you are in an area or your business is operating in an area where there's external, external risk, that is going to be embedded in the algorithm already. But what about if a business is making changes? What if a business is scoring highly? What does that mean to the insurance of that company? So again, these are important factors. And our bet is that every business on this planet is going to have an open ESG score. Okay. Firstly, we are focused actually to really truly make an impact. David, our other co-founder, Daniel and I committed to focusing on all the businesses that do not have a score right now. Mm -hmm. So that's the SMEs on this planet right now that do not have a score. We're making it frictionless for them. We're making it frictionless for a small, medium enterprise to get a score, to understand where they're at and how they can improve because it's coming. Regula like the regulatory environment suggests that every head of state is already in line and creating strategies for net zero. And they're also uh, aligning with the banks, aligning with insurance companies and investors. So we just want to communicate that this is already a movement. It's just no one has created the infrastructure. And we hope that uh, any small, medium enterprise out there really uh, that is looking to improve and get ahead of it uh, to reach out and start thinking about how they can improve. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you know, we've really got to focus on the small and medium enterprises, but also emerging markets. And mm -hmm. I'll share a story from my, my time in China. I was, I was running the World Economic Forum there and we went to visit a huge solar plant um, in, the, in the middle of, um, of um, uh, one of the provinces. And they had moved their entire operations from, from all over China to be producing solar power in this, um, in, in this province. And I asked why they would make such a huge investment. And they said, because here we can have all of our energy be um, hydro energy and be renewable. And I said, well, why, you know, why does that matter in China? And they said, it doesn't matter in China. But the legislation in com is coming from Europe that if we want to import to Europe, we have to meet certain environmental standards. So we're planning for five years from now when that legislation goes into effect that we can say all of our products have been entirely um, produced with 100% sustainable and renewable energy. And, and so those are the trends that are happening beneath the surface. People don't see these um, on, on a day-to-day -day basis, but those big mega trends are, are, are coming. And so how do we work with those suppliers from Asia? That's what T and I are doing in, in Singapore, really um, looking at how we work with, with all of those global supply chains 
to get that transparency and visibility and, and get that performance uh, so that companies in, in, in Bangladesh or, or Vietnam or, 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 or Cambodia can, can show what they're doing and how they're um, you know, meeting those future needs and how their, their products and their businesses are ethical and, and, um, you know, and compliant to future regulation, but also that, 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 that Western companies want to, want to do business with, want to source from, and that, um, you know, consumers around the world can feel good about um, buying from. Yeah, I, I love that idea. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, associations and standards bodies and things that come together. And then, uh, you know, the cost of of entry into the club is is so prohibitive that you're you're going, okay, this is really the the the, the global enterprises that can take part in this thing. It's and it's not for everyone. It's just for uh, a select few. So I, I love the idea that, you know, big and small and wherever you are, you can you can actually take part and I, I really like the idea as well of the, you know, the sort of ecosystem around all this, right? When you're mentioning banks and insurance companies, you know, these are the, these are the the core, you know, way, way they call them suppliers or partners or whatever for any operation. You know, if we, we live and die by our relationships with our banks and our investors and, and our insurance companies and those kind of things. So especially in, in logistics and supply chain insurance is like, you know, make or break uh, when you're looking at fleets and, and, and warehouses and cargo and things like that. So um, I, I think that's definitely on the right track when you're able to, you know, roll all these things up and provide this this um, ecosystem benefit as opposed to a, a benefit to a single company. And uh, uh, that that network play, it sounds like, is, is, is a really big part of it for sure. And Mike, you remember uh, sort of having been mapping out the supply chain for so long and I've I've seen some uh, I've seen billion dollar businesses fail uh, mm -hmm. right in front of me. And simply because they didn't have a way to glue supply chain and really make, uh, have enough data, have enough trust in who they're lending to. So I've seen one particular lender uh, fail and I saw very quickly they were gonna fail. Um, and I mentioned it to my co-founders and I was right because mm -hmm. uh, the multi-billion dollar company got investment from some of the largest institutional funds. And if they sometimes uh, listen to maybe little girl in, in the corner, um, maybe they could have got it right, which was that they needed more data. They really needed more data on who they're lending to. So we've got one example uh, and we think it's so important to, for example, our food, um, and we're very focused on the food category. Our food category um, and uh, we're actually just about to announce a large partnership where we're scoring and helping farmers get an open ESG score. These are independent farmers, and these are farmers that need a loan. But in order for them to actually get a loan, they need an, we need or lenders need information, international development banks to local banks need information on who they're lending to. They don't have that information. Quite frankly, they're just throwing uh, that you just you're not going to get that return back yeah where we are starting there because there's so much capital out there for farmers but there is farmers need to make sure that they're also providing the information to make sure that lenders are providing to the uh, the ones actually doing the hard work of protecting our planet and it's so important that we connect all these chains so that's one point. And secondly, because uh, we're 
all very passionate about food. Mike took me in Calgary to this incredible suppliers of food to North America. And I, I love the food industry. Uh, but also as a young person uh, who, uh, I know not everyone's uh, so interested in robotics and food and all that sort of stuff, but I really, I, I grew up in a generation where things have to be simple and understandable. And as a young person, I grew up with uh, apps such as Vivino, checking my wine, mm -hmm. uh, the rating of my wine, uh, Yuka, checking my nutrition score. And so we actually are developing a product and this is really our innovation uh, as a team. And it was an insight that we have to make it so simple for everyone to quickly check their score the sustainability score of company and product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that makes so much sense to me. Um, you know, the, 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 the apps that you're mentioning, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those funny things where the more connected we are and the more information we have at our fingertips, you know, the, the more, uh, uh, you know, an educated consumer can get more educated and one that's maybe on the wrong path can go down even further down the wrong path, right? It's the, you know, the, the idea of the, of the standard emergent and things like that, as opposed to just sort of consuming whatever information from whatever source with no, you know, not, nothing to benchmark against, I think is really compelling. Cause uh, you know, I, I, I use a lot of those, apps. I'm not that young, <laughs> but I use a, a lot of those apps too. And uh, you know, I, I, I love being informed. I mean, there's nothing like a good backstory, right? I, I've always said the difference between a you know, a high-end restaurant, I actually stole that from Jerry Seinfeld, but the difference between a high-end restaurant and a low-end restaurant is the backstory, right? It'll be, you know, veal cutlets, nine ninety five, or it'll be where the, you know, the, the veal was this and that. And, you know, do you even want to eat veal and, and those kind of things, right? It's like, it's being able to have the information that you want at your fingertips. So you make those choices for yourself, but knowing that it's correct and that it's accurate and that it's, it's, you know, even across the board, I think is, is really interesting because, um, uh, you know, maybe maybe just chat a little bit about how, you know, you you sort of see this information getting in front of the of the consumer because I you know we've talked a little bit about that behind the scenes, but uh, you know I think that's that's part of the trick is is how do you get this in line and and make it part of the the decision process for uh, for a consumer, say for example. Yeah, so for us as a product and uh, David. Uh, Daniel and I were incredibly passionate about making it very simple. So firstly, the Open ESG score uh, is, we believe, the most simple way to communicate. It's almost like a grade on something. We all understand it. Universally, we can see, understand the difference between an A and an E. We, we do. Or a one and in, uh, you know, a five. We, we have the psychological uh, language and there's a visualization we can all get behind. If we make it more complicated than that, uh, we're not going to be communicating clearly because we all speak in such different ways. We're all from such different backgrounds, but we're building a global company. We're building a scalable company. And we're actually in the business of making sure this is helping people make mm -hmm. better decisions, better informed decisions. So. It has to be simple. And we always check ourselves internally and say, is this, is this understandable? And so that's, we're making it that clear. And I really, and we're testing it to make sure even our 
parents can check, uh, you, you know, understand. <laughs> that's a good test. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, yeah, uh, I we... think that, that simplicity is key. Um, and, and with that simplicity, simplicity, then we can be, um, you know, everywhere we can be on, on e-commerce platforms. When people are going to buy a, a product, we can be, um, you know, in retail, if people are looking on the shelves. So it's, it's really about that, that simple, clear communication that, that everybody just gets. And then one of the things we hope to do in the future is really, um, you know, work on ways of incentivizing com consumers to learn about ESG and to, to be involved. So, you know, you talked about this or educated consumer who wants to do that research, but I bet there's a lot more people out there who, eh, it's too much effort. It's too mm -hmm. hard. So um, once we've got that simplicity cracked, we're already sort of in stealth, you know, incubating the next um the next thing to really, really focus on, on how do we incentivize consumers who don't necessarily care about sustainability to learn about it, to, to interact with those high scoring brands and, um, and then, you know, create a multiplier effect, right? Because if there's that, there's going to be the regulatory frameworks coming in, but if we can create the positive um, pull from consumers to say, yeah, actually, I want to know this score. I want to know, um, you know, about this product. Is it is it more sustainable? Or I want to know, you know, about the ethics of your company. If that if that pull comes from consumers, that's going to be a huge um, uh, signal to companies about, you know, first of all, changing their behavior or working on the on the things that maybe they're not so strong at. But then also, um, you know, that that there are opportunities to reach new consumers and new markets because of that, because of that interest, they have a product that can address that. Well, that's very cool. Gonna, yeah. Sorry. I just want to give a shout out to our CTO who actually lives in Canada. David's from Canada. I'm British, um, originally from Mongolia. And just want to give a shout out to our CTO because uh, Daniel Ellison, he is uh, early, uh, he, he was in the supply chain industry early on, sold a supplier's um, helping suppliers understand the information uh, and sold and exited that. Not only that, he was he's been very early in Ethereum and mm. the technology of trust. And he he developed the Ethereum name service and uh, was the lead developer at Consensus, the first ecosystem in Web three, and voted by eight hundred developers. So we are very driven by uh, research and development and um, by actual technology and that is he's actually the brains behind it all so just wanted to uh, highlight that very cool yeah that sounds great well we probably could do a future one and delve into more into the tech behind it i think that would be pretty interesting as well um i got a couple minutes left on the clock so i, I was going to sort of leave it up to both of you and sort of say what would you like to you know, what would you like to leave everybody with as far as uh, a call to action and impression, uh, you know, how to reach you? What, 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 what would you like to kind of uh, end off with to end on a high note? Well, I think what, what T was saying about Daniel sort of gives a hint in, into our team. And, and you mentioned something earlier, Mike, just about the, create the ecosystem that we're creating. You know, T has been in the supply chain business, uh, you know, for many years. I was in the international system working with some of those more exclusive uh, networks that are hard to hard to get into. And I think we're all bringing that experience and that wealth of knowledge to say, there's a better way to design this. There, There is a better way to incentivize business, um, you know, to be more ethical, to be more sustainable. There's a there's an easier way to to get consumers excited about that and 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 so I think it's really 
I, I feel very humbled and very blessed to, to have such great co-founders where we can all bring in these, these unique perspectives uh, and, and create something that, that really feels needed by the world. So we would just encourage people to, to get in touch with us. We're on LinkedIn. We're on all the social platforms. Um, it's easy. We're very open. We're a very um, transparent company. And, um, and we're always willing to, to partner and to work with people because we know the scope of this mission is so huge that we cannot do it alone. So it's in partnership with Routique. It's in partnership with different platforms where we really um, think we can, we can move the needle or, or, or make a ding in the universe um, because certainly the, the, the climate crisis and the, the, the social um, fragmentation that are, that, are, that are happening around the world are, are, are not inevitable. You know, there is th something we can do. There's something we can do as consumers. There's something we can do as businesses. Um, we just need the right tools and we need the right incentives. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll, we'll throw some, uh, some, some links together with your team and make sure people know how to reach out when they, you know, when, when they're watching this and, and listening to this in the future and, and make sure they know how to get a hold of you as well. Um, I think I got one minute left, like anything T you want to kind of close off with just to, just to end on a high note. No, I, I, I love what, uh, I love what David said and really, uh, the way we're scaling is by working with some of the largest networks and uh, we know this is a true differentiator and so we are working with the large networks of huge business uh, let's say large business networks so that they can spread it to their network and mm. we're, we're a network business and that's how we get the data flywheel spinning and that's how we really spread this movement so any data networks uh, Shopify, hint, hint, and others <laughs> in Canada. Um, yeah, this is, a, we see a lot of potential partnerships out there. Looking forward to it. Very cool. No, that's awesome. Well, thank you both so much. And uh, I know you taking time out of your busy schedule and working odd hours and, and traveling the world. So really appreciate you uh, making the time. I know we've, this has been a moving target for a little bit to, to, to pin down a schedule for all of us, but uh I think this is going to be really exciting. Lots of people are going to be interested to hear it, and uh, we'll 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 get this uh, this one launched, and then maybe we'll look at uh, a future one down the road here where we get more into the uh, the sort of the deep tech side of things. But uh, yeah, thank you uh, both so much for joining us. Really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to having this one uh, hit the airwaves. Thank you, Mike. It's been brilliant. Really yeah. wonderful talking to you. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to check out future episodes of the Proof of Delivery cast, which come out every month. In the meantime, keep an eye on our YouTube channel for additional content throughout the month. If you'd like to learn more from Routique, you can find us on every major social media platform by searching Routique or the handle at Routique. Or feel free to chat with us directly by visiting www.routique.com. Routique gives supply chain visionaries the x-ray vision they need to make their companies more efficient, responsive, and profitable.